0: So many of us are tempted to compare ourselves with others. Compare what we have, or what we can do, or who we are. And possibly these days, the temptation to compare ourselves with others is greater than ever before. Advertising, television and I think especially social media, encourage us to play the comparison game. Are we attractive enough? Do we wear the right clothes? Do we drive the right car? Do we have the right phone? Are we having as much fun or laughter or love as the next person? How many friends or followers or likes do we have? And even as Christians, we can fall into that trap. We can be tempted to compare ourselves as believers with other believers. Maybe when it comes to our worship experiences, or our Bible knowledge, or our spiritual gifts, or our ministry role, or our evangelism successes, or our answered prayers. But there are real dangers in this, in comparing ourselves with others. It robs us of our joy and our contentment in who we are and what we have. It breeds jealousy and envy. It causes competition and rivalry. But most of all, it distracts us from the one that our focus should be on. It makes us focus on gifts rather than on the giver, as we saw in that little video clip. And so at the end of John's Gospel, we are again encouraged to fix our eyes on and to follow Jesus. This morning we're going to read from John chapter 21, from verse 20 down to the end of the chapter, end of the book. And as we saw last week, Jesus had just restored Peter not only to a relationship with himself, but also to the privilege of serving him and suffering for him. He called Peter to take care of his followers and to teach them his truth. And he told them that he would glorify God by laying down his life for him. And it was at that moment that Peter was tempted to compare himself with somebody else. So we're going to read John chapter 21 uh, from verse 20 down to the end of the chapter. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, Who is is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Peter had just had an amazing experience with the risen Christ. He'd once again experienced the miraculous power of Jesus in an unexpected catch of fish. And then he experienced the wonderful presence of Jesus as they shared breakfast together on the beach. And then he experienced the outrageous grace of Jesus when his three denials were dealt with through an invitation to declare his love and a commission to share that love with others. But like so many of us, Peter got distracted. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. Now most people understand that to be John, the writer of the Gospel. He usually described himself in this kind of cryptic way. And for some reason, John distracted Peter. And this wasn't the first time that Peter got distracted when he should have had his eyes on Jesus. Maybe you remember when Jesus walked out on the water to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the storm. He called Peter to come out on the water to him. And so Peter, this is Matthew 14, Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. It was an amazing act of faith. But then verse 30 of Matthew 14 says, But when they saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. When Peter had his eyes fixed on Jesus, he was able to do the impossible. But when he was distracted by the storm, he started to sink. I think many of us can similarly be distracted from looking to Jesus. Wonder if you've ever been in church, or reading your Bible, or praying, and suddenly you find yourself focused on something completely different. Your phone rings, or you get a notification, or a message pops up. You suddenly remember something really urgent that you forgot to do. You start worrying about some problem or some difficulty that's going to come up later in the day. Or just something catches your eye and your concentration is lost. Now I don't think this is just a problem for those who struggle with attention. It's not just for people who have attention deficit issues. I think this is a common problem for every single one of us. Because this is part of the spiritual battle that we're all in. The devil knows how powerful it is for us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And so he will do anything and everything that he can to distract us from looking to Jesus. So the writer of Hebrews tells us to to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So folks, we need to watch out for distractions. Distractions. What are the things that key are, are the what are the things that, that take your eyes away from Jesus? What are the things that pull your attention away from following Jesus? Is it a person? Is it a thing? Is it the mobile phone? Is it the TV? Is it the newspapers? What is it? Well one of the major distractions in our lives is comparing ourselves with others. Verse 21 of our chapter says, When Peter saw him, that's John, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus had just told Peter about the hardships that he was going to face as a believer. He was going to have his hands stretched out and be taken where he didn't want to go. There was a a prophecy that Peter was going to actually go through the horror of being crucified for his faith. But what Peter wanted to know was what was going to happen to John. Was his life going to be tough too? Was he going to face martyrdom as well? I guess Peter didn't want it to happen. Wanted, didn't want it to have, have it tougher than everybody else. He wanted to know that suffering among the disciples was going to be shared out equally. He wanted it to be fair. I think that's so like us, isn't it? I think so many of us are tempted to compare ourselves to others. Why is it so hard for me and so easy for that person? Why does she seem to get things so much, so many things, and I don't? Why is it so easy for that person? Why is it so hard for me? Why have they been given all of the gifts and all of the ability and I can't do anything? But Jesus here... He didn't comply with Peter's request. Did you notice verse 22? Do you see how he responded? If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Now Jesus was not saying that John wasn't going to die until he returned verse 23 John squashed that rumour that had been spreading around uh, the people of his generation according to the second century John was exiled in Patmos an island in the Mediterranean and then he died as an old man in Ephesus but what Jesus was saying was kind of like Peter mind your own business Yes, we are called to encourage each other, and to care for each other, to look out for each other, but we're not called to compare ourselves with each other. In part, this is because comparing ourselves with others causes competition and envy. It leads inevitably to disagreements. And to division. As James says, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. And so comparing ourselves to others is not part of this selfless and loving community that Jesus wants for us all. Love is patient. Love is kind. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. But comparing ourselves with others in church is also out of place. Because God has a specific plan For each one of our lives. Yes, the general principles for each one of us are the same. He wants all of us to follow Jesus. And to become more and more like Jesus. But the specific details of that plan are different. This is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, there are different kinds of gifts. But the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. So each of us who have trusted in Jesus are part of His body. And we're all called to work together for God. But we've been given different gifts, different roles... And different abilities in God's kingdom. And we don't get to choose which ones we get. Instead, this is according to God's sovereign plan. His purpose for our lives. Again, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, God has arranged the parts in the body. Every one of them. Just as He wanted them to be. So God calls us into our different roles. God gives us different gifts. So it doesn't make sense to compare ourselves with each other. It's meaningless to compare and contrast our lives and our ministries, our successes and our and our struggles with each other. Because we're not called to the same roles. We've not been given the same work. We've not been blessed with the same gifts. Instead, we need to seek to honour the Lord in the role that He has given us. We need to work with the strength that He has provided us. We need to use the gifts to the full that He has given to us. That was Paul's ambition. As he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 9, we make it our goal to please Him. Not to be like others, not to be better than others, but just to please the Lord. And that's what we need to seek to do. To honour Jesus and to leave everybody else to do the same. And so, as Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 4, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To do his own master, he stands or falls. We're not answerable to each other, only answerable to the Lord. So, live for him with the gifts and the role that he has given us. And so instead of looking at others, we need to be, have our eyes fixed on Jesus. Look at verse 22 again. Jesus said to Peter, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, not on everybody else. Don't compare. Don't compete. Don't criticize. That will destroy our contentment and commitment and strength. Instead, follow Jesus. Follow Him, whatever anybody else does. Follow Him whatever anyone else experiences. Follow Him whatever successes or struggles they have. Follow Him whatever choices they make. We need that single-minded focus that Joshua expressed near the end of his ministry. He said this in Joshua chapter 24. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served eh, beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me, in my household, we will serve the Lord. And that's what John's Gospel has been encouraging us to do Right throughout it. As I hope most of you will know, our theme verse over this past year and a half, as we've been studying this amazing book, has been John 20, verse 31. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. John's purpose in writing this Gospel is that we would focus on Jesus. He wants us to understand His identity, put our faith in Him, receive the life that He alone can give, and follow Him. That's because only Jesus is worthy of our complete focus. Because only Jesus is God with us. John declared this right at the start of his Gospel. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word is the eternal Son of God. He is the Holy One who has always been in constant fellowship with God the Father and God the Spirit. He is the creator of the universe, the giver and sustainer of life. And yet for John, the Word was somebody that he knew personally. The Word was his friend. The Word was his teacher. The Word was his leader. That's because the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He said, goes on to say, We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the mind-blowing reality of who Jesus is. He is fully God and fully man. He is God incarnate. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. This is what Jesus claimed to be throughout this Gospel, through his seven I am statements. For example, when he said, before Abraham was born, I am. He was using the covenant name of God. He was claiming to be Yahweh. The eternal, self-existent One who doesn't depend on anyone else. And who never changes. You may remember when we looked at that passage, the Jews, they understood what Jesus was claiming. That's why they picked up stones to stone Him. For them, what Jesus was saying was blasphemy. Jesus backed up those claims of deity by giving convincing proofs of his identity. This is what John showed through the seven miraculous signs that he has described. Only the Son of God could turn water into wine, or speak a word and heal an official son. Or restore a man who'd been an invalid for 38 years. Or feed a crowd of over 5,000 from a little boy's lunch. Or give sight to a man who'd been born blind. Or raise Lazarus from the tomb. Or defeat death by rising again. And remember these seven signs, they're only a, a carefully selected collection Of some of the amazing things that Jesus did. John said in verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That's why Jesus, only Jesus, is worthy of our complete focus. Because he is unique in his identity. And he is so amazing that we will never get to the end of the awe and the wonder of who he is and what he has done for each of us. And because of this, he is the one who can save us. That's what Jesus has claimed through his, in the, throughout this Gospel in his seven I Am sayings. I'm sure you remember these. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He is the only one who can satisfy the hunger in our hearts. He said, I am the light of the world. Because he is the only one who can lead us out of the darkness of sin. He said, I am the gate because he's the only entrance into salvation. He said, I am the good shepherd because he's the only one who loved us enough to lay down his life for us. He said, I am the resurrection and the life because he's the only one who can rescue us from death. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life because he's the only way to the Father. And he said, I'm the vine. Because he's the only way we can live a fruitful life for God. Jesus is the one and only Savior. And so if we want to be saved, if we want to know God, if we want to be brought into a relationship with God, if we want to live with God forever in heaven then we need to put put our faith in Jesus and Him alone. And if we want to experience real life, everlasting life, in all its fullness, we must not be distracted from anyone or anything else. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to, like Thomas, bow down before him and declare that he is our Lord and God. Because he alone is the source of that life. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and and have it to the full. Anybody want life to the full here? Anybody want the best life? And that's only accessible, only possible through Jesus. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have trusted in Him, and you know that He has saved you, then we need to continue to wholeheartedly follow Him. Because He is the Good Shepherd. And His sheep are defined by those who listen to His voice. And who follow Him. And when we do this, we can rest in the security and the freedom and the joy and the love that only he can give. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one. Can snatch them out of my hand. So, folks, let's not be like Peter. Let's not get distracted by what other people are doing, what they are saying, what they're experiencing, what they can offer us. And let's not compare our successes or struggles with others. Instead, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's worship Him as the Son of God. Let's believe in Him as the Savior. Let's depend on Him as the source of life in all its fullness. And let's follow Him as our shepherd. The one who will never lead us astray, and the one who will never let us.